listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 87 of Sticks in the Six. Once again, the voice you are hearing right now is not the angelic pipes that belong to Andrew Forbes, who usually kicks off our episodes. Uh, Andrew's off today, so it's uh, myself, Alex Hobson, here with Peter Barracchini. We are going to write the ship for episode 87 of what's hopefully your favorite Leafs podcast. Peter, let's kick things off. How are things going out your way? Uh, you know, things are going great. Um, as you know, last week or about a week or so ago, on the last episode, I talked about how Rabbit was occupying or like renting out my backyard just chilling there, you know, for about a week and a half, I was feeding good spring mix, lettuce, carrots, flower leaves, or petals that just broke off a plant. Started to get, started just, you know, feed it to it, and it left. So, that's so after, that's so sad. After weeks of him just living rent free in our backyard, us feeding it and everything like that, he just decided to up and leave through our fence, just crawl back underneath and go to a different house or to his regular house in the woods. I don't know where he's going off or if he's going off, but it's tough because, you know, obviously it's a wild animal. Obviously they got their own thing going on, but you know, the way that it was just chilling in their backyard, it was like, we owned it. And it was like, (laughs) yeah, I'm here. And if you got close to it, it would not even budge. So this was very calm. There was a bit of a connection. Yeah, so I'm kind of uh, kind of upset that the rabbit left us, but hey, it is what it is. It's nature. Well, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'd be upset if I were you too, but at the same time, this rabbit sounds like a little bit of a couch surfer. So, oh god, yeah, it probably is. I would, I, I would say, <laughs> I, I don't want to plant the idea in your head that this rabbit was, you know, maybe taking advantage of you, but just something to consider when you're when you're battling those feelings of it, grief. It sounded it was, like he, it sounded like his mind was already made up. It was what it's one of those instances where it's like one of those like comedies where there's a slacker and he's just mooching off the roommate, and then all of a sudden, boom! <laughs> at the end of the episode, gets his own place, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's the uncle between jobs, except he's not between <laughs> jobs because he never had a job in the first place. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I, I, I know what it feels like, though, to have a, a wild animal pet and then all of a sudden have it leave, except I, I had a, I actually, back when I was in, like, grade two, um, my mom and I were out for a walk and my sister was there, too. So I was, I was seven and my sister was, she would have been five. And we found this adorable little baby bird inside of this abandoned, uh, this abandoned, constru- it was like a construction site that I, 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 don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was abandoned. I think it was on a weekend. So the workers weren't there, but we found this little baby bird just in the middle of all the rubble. And my mom, Aww. my mom took it home that night and fed it. And, you know, we got super attached to it. My sister and I, we, we, we spent almost all afternoon out with it and then went up to bed. And then we came out the next morning and the, the bird had passed away. So oh, I have that's... still, I, I have still not recovered from that. That, that, uh, that was rough. like, cause at that point I hadn't, ha- I, I had never had pets before. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this was the first little experience where it was like, Oh my God, I've got an animal that I can take care of here. And then all of a sudden it just, uh, uh, is the rainbow bridge exclusive to dogs or can we include birds in that too? Let, let, let's include birds. We'll include birds. That, that we'll include bird, birds. Why that not? Bird, that bird crossed the rainbow bridge, unfortunately. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's rough. That's way worse than a rabbit just leaving on its own. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what, Peter? This was when I was seven years old. I didn't. I didn't mean to throw my childhood trauma. No, no, it's all good, man. Um, but yeah. While we're on somber topics, uh, my week's been all right. Except yesterday, I was at the Jays game and got to watch them get slapped ten to two by Baltimore. 
Oh, that must have been fun. I, dude, I bought tickets for that game because I was like, okay, we've got the Hunjin Ryu replica jersey, which coincidentally also did not age well. He's out for the season with mm. uh, CJ. Um, and we show up, and I just got to gotta take a second event because I was all right. Okay, so you know how horribly hot it was yesterday, right? Oh, yeah, it was disgusting. So with it being a Ryu replica jersey giveaway, um, it was for the first 15,000 fans in attendance. And I showed up with um, my buddy, my roommate. Uh, we, the two of us showed up there. I want to say we, got, we were outside the stadium for like 1.15, outside of the dome for 1.15. And um, I believe they, op- they opened the gates uh, like an hour and a half before the game. Game started at three. So like we were, we were there well ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And we coincidentally decided to go to a game on the same day as multiple schools decided to take a field trip. Oh, fun. The game. Yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't have minded this because, you know, I, I look back to field trips that I made and still, I'm not even that old. I'm 22 years old. Right. So I'm not too, too removed from those high school, middle school days taking field trips. So I know that there were probably times when my friends and I were shitheads and there were probably times <laughs> when there were probably times when adults around our field trips wanted us to pack up and leave because we were being so loud and annoying. And so I was already prepared to give them the benefit of the doubt. However, all of these kids had a little gym bag with them. You know those, you know those bags? I don't even remember what, I, I don't know if those I even spaghetti, know like the Like yeah. the zip? Uh-huh. The, the zip? That, the the one one with the straps. Yeah, yeah, the yeah I, saw, I, saw, I saw my Adidas one. Yes, okay, so the one that you pull open like that. So these kids, there was, in total, there was probably like, there were at least 20 of them in our line, but there were probably 60 to 70 of them there, like in the <laughs> section. And they had, I, I think it was probably a trip to Toronto just in general, because they, I, I saw a bunch of them in, in line at the, uh, the Ripley's aquarium there. And then they came and started lining up for the Jays games. So they're all lined up in a regular line when there is a specific line for people with bags to go so they can get them checked. So our line was completely backed up to shit because there's like 20 kids. And let me tell you, the guy who was running the uh the the bag inspection there yeah my god it must have been either his first day on the job or he just absolutely loves his job because he was taking his sweet time he was talking to every single kid going through the bags checking every single little item in there just like oh yeah what are you doing yeah oh nice all right well you enjoy the game all right hi how you doing (laughs) and then he goes and it was just this cycle for like i felt like i felt like ryan whitney when he was at the airport i wasn't about to i wasn't about to pull out my camera and record record an angry video to send to the rogers center staff or these school boards but i was sitting there watching these lines pass us and just thinking like well i'm like I've been Hello, in this line. I've been we, in this uh, line too already. Like I, yeah, like I've been in this line long enough. I can't back out at this point. Yeah. So yeah, finally got in there, and I was like, "All right, now I get to watch a ball game." And then the Jays lost ten to two to the Baltimore Orioles. And Fine. Kevin Gosman was on the mound. I thought that Gosman was going to come out there and deal because you know he's facing his former team. I think I think it was mm-hmm. for the first time since uh, he left Baltimore. So I think so, yeah. Because he's only played for National League teams since mm-hmm. then. Either way, he's got to work on. I don't know how how teams are like starting to pick up on that splitter, but he's got to do a better job of hiding that. He's got to conceal that. Oh yeah, I couldn't tell from uh, because obviously our seats were in the two hundreds in the outfield, so I couldn't tell Mm -hmm. if he was tipping his pitches from where I was sitting. But 
like they had to, he, they, he had to have been tipping his pitches because the amount of contact that Baltimore's hitters were making off of him routinely, just over and yeah. over and over, like, Oh my God, it was that third inning was not fun. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess what we're coming to is a little bit of a forgettable past couple of days for both of us. Hey, you lose a, you lose a rabbit friend. <laughs> I lose my happiness watching the Jays lose to Baltimore. The Jays lose to Baltimore, you know, pain is real. There's a lot of losing going on here. Unless you're a Warriors fan. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, all right. So based on where we are in the offseason, there's really not that much to talk about. Peter and I have been sort of kind of scraping together topics to talk about in recent episodes. But with us being lucky enough to follow the Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously there's always going to be something to talk about, which is the reason why we don't we keep this pod going throughout the summer because, you know, it'll get dry. It'll start to thin up, but at some point you can find some rumor that was started out of nothing mm-hmm. and you can talk about it for a half hour. So even if it's dry, it's never a dull moment. Exactly. So now where we are is uh, we're talking about goaltending and uh, the name John Gibson has been floated around quite a bit. Uh, Nick Alberta from Sportsnet broke on his Twitter feed that John Gibson had informed the Ducks of a trade. That rumor was since... Uh, it was since refuted by his agent, but it's, again, it's one of those things where it's like, how, how seriously are we going to take that? Because mm-hmm. obviously his, his agent's not going to leak. Yeah. We're actively looking for a trade. Um, so I guess it has since been proven or not proven, I guess, but it's since been, I guess, confirmed. If you want to say that, that Gibson is not in on the Leafs plans or the Leafs are not in on Gibson rather. Yeah. So I guess I can combine this topic with a couple of different ones because at the same time, Jonas Siegel came up with came out with an update saying that Jack Campbell and the Leafs are still talking and they're still negotiating a contract. I don't know if they've mentioned numbers or anything like that, but they are talking. I could have sworn I also saw that they were talking since, like once per week mm-hmm. since the season ended. Yeah, I, I I know I saw that on Twitter. I can't find it anywhere, and I got to do a better job of finding the source. But I do remember seeing that. Well, Jack Campbell himself is currently enjoying the sunlight in Curacao, so he's probably nice. not taking. He's yeah, he's probably not taking part in negotiations, <laughs> but his agent is. And on top of this, David Pagnotta from the fourth period uh, did an appearance, uh, a TV hit last night, and he said that um, if the talks between the Leafs and Campbell go south, then Vili Huso out of St. Louis could possibly be a connection for the Leafs Mm -hmm. and obviously we're going to do the classic Toronto fan thing where we take a rumor and out of nothing and make a rumor because you know you look at he did specifically say they'd be a target of Toronto but beyond that there's really no speculation that the Leafs have even been talking to Huso or you know have been considering going after him but David Pagnotta is he broke the the John Tavares signing he's he's broken a number of trades I think he I think he doesn't I don't think he quite gets the respect that he should get on Twitter so Peter, I guess I'll throw it to you here. First of all, your take on the Leafs not being in on Gibson. And I guess after that, we'll go to what, what, what should the Leafs do at that point? Should they be putting their full focus into bringing back Jack Campbell? Should they, you know, kind of keep one eye on Campbell, one eye on Huso? Or what do you think? What, what's your take on this? Yeah, I guess we could call this the goalie episode because everything seems to be revolving around goaltending and basically every single offseason, the big question mark for the Maple Leafs is goaltending. I mean, based on what happened with Peter Morazic, you got to find a backup, but your main focus is Campbell. Um, the Campbell situation is, is interesting because obviously 
the line of communication with the Leeson Campbell is open. Gibson, um, with the rumor, maybe without the rumor, who knows? Um, depending on how that plays out, I think the main priority should still be Jack Campbell, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, despite the up and downs this season with the hot start to cool down, but then he picked it back up when it mattered in the playoffs, almost basically having a better performance than Andre Vasilevsky in the first round. I mean, I think we can agree to that, that, you know, as, as well as Vasilevsky played, Campbell looked a little bit better and it was just the mental toughness of the Tampa Bay Lightning and their history vaulted them forward and Vasilevsky was a beast. He mattered in game seven. It was a one goal differential. It wasn't a blowout. But Vasilevsky is Vasilevsky. So I think Campbell's, I would hope that his heart is set on, like, you know, maintaining his presence in Toronto, you know, being part of the team. We talked about or we see how much of a chemistry or how well he gels with Matthews and Marner and everyone else on this team. I think you got to sign him first. What that number is going to be, I don't know. But, um, you know, depending on what happens, then you should shift your focus to John Gibson. That, because let's face it, if Campbell walks elsewhere, you got to make a trade. You're not going to find a goaltender on the open market right now unless you're probably trying to sign a Darcy Kemper or um, I know we've talked about this quite a bit in terms of the positions, but the goaltending free agent class is weak unless you are going after a Marc-Andre Fleury. I don't see that happening. Can you try and go for Braden Holby? But he's been dealing with his injuries. So the options are very minimal at that point. You would have to make a trade. And I think John Gibson would be the ideal situation. He's the closest thing that you would get to you know, a starter caliber goaltender and everyone's going to look at his numbers and say, Oh, he's been bad the last two, three seasons. Yeah. Well, guess what? He's been on a retooling Anaheim Ducks team. Defense hasn't been great. Offense is starting to pick up, but let's face it. His numbers are going to take a dip because of that, but he has shown to be a Vesna caliber goaltender. So I think you just got to manage it out. Whatever happens first and whatever happens with Campbell, then the dominoes will follow after that on what you need to do with goaltending. Yeah, I think regardless of what you think the Leafs should do with their goaltending situation this year and regardless of how you think they should approach it, I think we can all agree that it comes down to whether or not you can bring back Jack Campbell. Mm -hmm. Because truth be told, if the Leafs can find a way to get rid of Mrazek's contract, um, I wouldn't necessarily be, and and sorry, if they were to find a way to get rid of Mrazek's contract and if they're able to sign Jack Campbell, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to the idea of bringing in Huso on top of that and running with a tandem of Huso and Campbell. I think that's I'd something be a solid that I, tandem. I would, I'd be willing to entertain that, but the instance I don't want to go for Huso in is the one where Jack Campbell doesn't come back and the Leafs are looking to Huso as their number one for next year, mm-hmm. because you know, there's all this talk about the Leafs should not sign Jack Campbell to five years at 4 million or whatever, because he's unproven, which he is, but small sample, guys, but there are guys who are more unproven than him. And one of those guys is Billy Huso. So yes, Billy Huso put up some great numbers this year. Um, he obviously Jordan Bennington refound his form in the playoffs, but Bennington was bad for a lot of the regular season. And Huso ended up taking more starts and he looked good to his credit. He looked really good. But if your prime talking point for not bringing back Jack Campbell is that he's unproven and you don't want to commit that kind of money to a goalie who's unproven, then why do you want to commit $3 million to Billy Huso on a three-year daily? with a guy with only 57 games regular season and seven playoff experience. Exactly. It's just, 
you know, I, I think that Jack Campbell has proven enough to the Leafs that they can take a flyer on him at slightly more than what he's been making already. I, I don't know if he's proven enough that I'd want the Leafs to, like I said, commit that five to four million, uh, four to five million rather over four or five years or something to that effect. So, yeah, I mean, I, I look at Huso and I see a guy who's more unproven than Jack Campbell. And, you know, if you're bringing back Campbell for a reduced price, say something around three million, four million, something like that, then sure, bring in Billy Huso and you can have two guys who are looking to obviously, you know, cash out on big contracts. Huso, you know, he might only command $3 million, $4 million or something like that. But if he, if a team gives him an opportunity as a number one, number one goalie over the next three or four years, and he ends up finding that game over those, those years, then at the end of that contract, he could probably cash out and look for a deal like, you know, a Vasilevsky would get or a Hellebuck or something like that, or a Gibson. Um, having said that, if Campbell doesn't come back to Toronto, then I got to say it's unfortunate in that sense that the, the Leafs are not in on Gibson because I wrote an article about why the Leafs should consider um, bringing in John Gibson if the price was appropriate. And the reality is with Gibson is that there are, excuse me, there are a lot of risks if you if you bring in uh, if you bring in Gibson because there is the off chance that yes while his numbers did go down as Anaheim got worse you know if if this is who John Gibson is now and the Leafs bring in that kind of money that's that contract is enough to kill their rebuild in a sense or kill their rebuild kill their window of contention rather mm-hmm. so um i think that's the biggest risk bringing in Gibson but at the same time He's four years, he's only four years removed from when he was one of the best goalies in the league. And four That's years why. ago, yeah, and four years ago is when the Ducks really started to do that nosedive and started mm-hmm. to get worse and worse every year. And I heard a lot of people citing his, his uh, expe- uh, goal saved against expected analytic. And I don't really like that argument too, too much because on another hand, you can look at Carey Price's expect, uh, goal saved above expected in the 2020-2021 regular season. And I believe it was, I want to say it was around minus, minus seven. I'm going to search up that article right now just so I don't, you know, I'm not caught spreading misinformation on the podcast. But <laughs> um, point is, his goal saved above expected was not good during that regular season. And then look what he, look what he did in the playoffs. And he did that because he's Carey Price and he's established that he can be one of the best goalies in the league when he wants to. And Gibson is the exact same way. So, you know, I see people being against bringing in Gibson and yes, it would be a massive risk, but I don't know. I think you give a guy like Gibson a defensive core that the Leafs have compared to the inexperience they have on their back end with Anaheim. And you give them a team that's just more experienced in general and has, you know, more, they're, they're, they're further along in their retooling than Anaheim is. Mm-hmm. I think, I think you can, I I think you can get the Gibson from the mid to mid 2010s. Um, It's just, yeah. So there's a lot of risks involved. Um, I hope that if, if it becomes apparent that Campbell's not coming back to Toronto, I hope that the Leafs kind of reconsider their stance on bringing in Gibson because I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I think the biggest risk that the Leafs can take even more than taking Gibson's contract would be committing decrease to a couple of guys like Huso and I don't know, Anthony Stolarz, if we want to stick with the dots, Casey DeSmith, something like that guys who have looked good as backups, but need a true opportunity as a starter. I don't want the Leafs to commit that kind of um, that kind of faith, I guess, into guys who aren't proven like that. 
Yeah, and you also mentioned the Ducks' core, too. I mean, obviously, they got the forwards intact, but defensively, they don't have Hampus Lindholm. I mean, he could probably re-sign, because I know that he's a UFA as well. Couldn't re-sign back there after being traded to Boston, but at the moment, you only have Cam Fowler and Kevin Shattenkirk signed beyond the season, and you have Jamie Dreisel and Josh Mahura um, on the roster as well, but you got to fill out that bottom four. And if you're going to try and do that internally, chances are the defense ain't going to be as strong. If John Gibson is coming back as a goaltender in front of that defense, a hundred percent, the Maple Leafs have got the better defensive core than, you know, the, the ducks at this point, because you only have four guys signed for next season. And if you were to put, and I and, know and before I get into my next point, you brought up, you know, the John Gibson of the mid to mid 2010s or before the decline started to happen. You put him front of the, in front or not in front behind this defensive unit. I think it's going to be 10 times better because the way that Riley has shown progression on both sides of the puck, the way TJ Brody handles two on ones, the way that Jake Muzzin kind of bounced back and we don't know about his situation either. Mark Giordano in the fold, Timothy Lilligren, Rasa Sandin. Those are names that have shown to provide stellar defense in their own zone. And even when they faltered, there's a Vesna-like caliber goaltender or top 10 goaltender in the league to backstop that team. So I, I honestly think that if there ever comes a time where they need to make a trade or they should consider it, they shouldn't back down from it because when are you going to find an opportunity? And no matter what the price is, I mean, I I've been a firm believer in Gibson and he's, I, I think he's going to bounce back on a good team. The Maple Leafs are a good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? You can make your jokes about, you know, not winning a round or whatever, but the question has never been about the roster. The question has been about the fact that the Leafs are fucking cursed. So um, <laughs> regardless of how you write it, the Leafs on paper are a good team and Gibson mm-hmm. would benefit from playing behind them. And just to uh, confirm the expected or goal saved above expected stat that I said before, Carey Price during the regular season last year uh, in 2021, his goal saved above expected was minus 7.93. For reference, Peter Morazic's this year was minus 12. So what that tells me is, and you know, you, you go back to last season going into the playoffs, you look at that, you look at Carey Price's 901 save percentage, you look at the fact that Montreal is, um, you know, they didn't even have a record above 500 when they made the playoffs. And everybody was like, oh, Carey Price is washed. The, the Habs aren't a good team anymore. It's fine. You know, Leafs, this will be a cakewalk for the Leafs. And look what happened. Carey Price turned into vintage Carey Price. So mm-hmm. I think when a guy's proven that he can be at that level of goaltending, I think he's more than capable of finding it no matter how bad his stats end up. And yeah. I guess that's uh, where some people might disagree, but I just think that, you know, you look at, you look at what Shesterkin did for the Rangers this year. You look what Vasilevsky did for um, uh, Vasilevsky did for the lightning. You look at what Thatcher Demko did for the Canucks when they went on that little playoff run in the bubble a couple of years ago. Yeah. Hot goalie is a hot goalie and Gibson can be a hot goalie. So, um, yeah, I guess if, if, if as of right now, the Leafs are not in on him, that makes sense because I don't see why they'd be pursuing John Gibson while they're in the middle of negotiating with Jack Campbell. But if Campbell leaves and the Leafs have a need in the crease, they need to revisit that. Mm-hmm. And whether it's Gibson or a guy like Hellebuck or a guy like UC Saros, somebody, you got to go for somebody. You don't want to be committing. Um, you, you, sorry. You don't want to be, 
committing your goal, your goal crease to a couple of guys who, you know, aren't proven. So I guess while we're on the topic of goaltending here, um, there was another very strange rumor to come out that I want to get your take on Matt Murray. Apparently the Leafs could possibly have interest in him. I don't even remember where that rumor came from, if I'm being honest, but I know that it made the waves on Leafs Twitter. Um, it made the waves on Leafs Twitter, but it was Chris Johnson that appeared on 1050. That's that mentioned the rumor. Right. Okay. So my opinion on Matt Murray is split into two sides of it and they're on complete opposite sides of the spectrum depending on a certain factor and that factor is the money so i want to know first of all what your take is on matt murray and the possibility of the leafs being interested in him um yeah i i honestly don't know what to think of that one i mean I remember when Murray was becoming a free agent and basically at the very beginning, when we started this podcast, me and Forbes were talking about, you know, Ryan or Matt Murray and his, whether the Leafs should try and go after him at the moment. I thought, you know, back to back cup champ, you know, he's got the pedigree, he could work out, but then again, that's when the injury started to happen with him, And then that's when the, the production started to decline. He's already in the, third year or going into the third year of his four-year contract that he signed at the end of 2020-21. I I don't see this as a really good fit. Just based on the history alone, uh, injury-wise, based on the fact that he's been inconsistent even since the time with the Pittsburgh Penguins after those runs. um, I... Again, we talk about, like, not wanting to be a downgrade from Jack Campbell, I honestly think Matt Murray, if they were to go after him, it would be a downgrade from Jack Campbell. Um, Campbell has solidified himself as, well, again, he's already an all-star. Solidified himself as that. Um, I, I I don't know what Matt Murray, like, was Matt Murray an all-star? I know he's a cup champ. I don't know if he was an all-star or not. Couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but I'm sure he was at one point. Oh, uh, well, there's hockey reference for that. Yeah, uh, 2016... 17 all-rookie team, two-time cup winner. So he hasn't been an all-star, but at the same time, that really doesn't matter at this point. (laughs) Um, But you look at his numbers since 2018-19, they have been below, his save percentages has been below 900 twice and just above one this above 900 this year with 906. I mean, you could, again, bad Ottawa team, but the fact that he was still on a relatively good Pittsburgh team in 2019-20 still had those numbers that really weren't great at all. So, I, 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 again, it's a, it's a big risk just like them trying to take a chance on, on Billy Huso. I don't see it happening. He's not, I mean, he's won cups, but I still don't think he's proven himself lately to maintain that consistency. Jack Campbell at least has shown to bounce back. Really haven't seen that from Matt Murray in regards to his play, really trying to build himself back up. And I know, I think he was also dealing with COVID um, if I'm not mistaken previously before too. And that's what maybe led to the demotion. I'm going to backtrack on that if I find the information correctly, but I just can't see it. 
I just can't see it. That to me is more of a risk than than going after an unproven goaltender like Huso. That, that that's just the way I see it. Yeah, um, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I just I, I you know I look at a guy who's been under the microscope, especially when when you're under the microscope in Ottawa. That's that. <laughs> You, like the, the microscope in Ottawa is much smaller than the microscope in Toronto. So you take what Matt Murray, the fire that Matt Murray's been under in Ottawa, and it seems like a nightmare to put him in a market like Toronto. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I would consider the possibility of the Leafs bringing him in if the Senators bought him out and the Leafs signed him to a league minimum contract or something. Fair enough. In, and, and sorry, if and if the Leafs brought back Jack Campbell or went with... Um, if they ended up going with someone like Billy Huso, I don't know. I, the point is, I think that Matt Murray, when you know how I was saying that John Gibson has established himself as one of the best goalies in the league. I don't think Matt Murray quite has done that, but Matt Murray is sure has certainly shown that he can show up in big games and that he can be that he can be one of the best goalies in the league when the team in front of him shows up and gets it done. So I think that if you have Campbell on one half of your tandem and then you bring in Murray on a contract at around that dollar value, like around a million, less than a million, something like that, then you've got the possibility of Matt Murray being becoming the Matt Murray from 2016-17. I, I know, I get that's a lot to ask for, and it's probably a long shot, but there always is that possibility. So for me, it really comes down to the fact that I don't want the Leafs to you know, chase that possibility and take that risk. If he's making $5 million or whatever it is, or $5 million rather. But at the same time, if he's coming in at a league minimum deal and it's not going to affect the salary cap that much, I don't know why you don't at least give it a shot and just Mm -hmm. see, see how that goes. But at the same time, that's asking a lot of things to happen. You got, you know, that's asking Ottawa to buy him out. Um, for the Leafs to have interest in him, which, you know, if that happened, I'm sure they would because he's a former Sioux Greyhound. And or even retain salary if they're able to retain at least 50% of that. Yeah, 50%, but even Maybe then, high, but at least they may have the cap space to do so for two more years. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Um, but at the same time, I think, uh, I, I think I'd think i only want Murray if he, if he was bought out and he was on mm-hmm. that super cheap contract. Even, I think, when it, when it comes to retaining salary if Murray ends up playing like the Murray he's been in Ottawa for the past couple of years, all of a sudden two, $2.5 million gets a lot pricier than, than it seems on the forefront. Yeah. So in that sense, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure I'd want to bring him in, um, br- bring him in for that kind of money. Uh, I think, you know, we're talking about the Leafs taking risks and why they shouldn't be taking risks with their goaltending. The only risk I want them to take is the one that you know has the big potential award in Gibson. Mm-hmm. And even then, I don't think they'll do that unless uh, Jack Campbell leaves. Or I, I hope they, I hope they don't do that unless yeah. Jack Campbell leaves. Everything is all based on Campbell leaving. And going back to what I said about Murray, apparently um, there was a post where he was placed on the COVID list uh, in November earlier this year. Um, and even Darren Drager tweeted out, uh, people are talking about the lingering effects of COVID on some NHL players who have had the virus. Matt Murray, as an example, had legit symptoms. So, symptoms. so he did feel the effects of that. It may have impacted his play. Yeah. And that may have led to, you know, again, the continuing downturn of his season to, with the compounding of, you know, the poor play with Pittsburgh, Ottawa, now this. So, so maybe, just maybe, if they are willing to give him you know, the exception, buy him out and maybe find a fresh start. And if he is a backup on the Maple Leafs, I wouldn't be 
I kind of like you, I wouldn't be opposed to that. But if they're looking at him to be a starter, that again, that's counterintuitive based on what they're trying to do. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, if they went ahead and did that, it would be almost as if they looked at the, the way that Peter Morazic signing mm-hmm. went and learned absolutely nothing from it. And, you know, I, I just, uh, bringing in Matt Murray at whatever he's making, whether it's, I, 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 I want to say, is it $5 million for Murray? Yeah. Is it, is yeah, it five he's million? at 6.25. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I've so been that's under, why so I've been undercutting this. Six that's point, why 6.25. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, that feels a little bit high. I'm just going to, I'm going to cap friendly this real quick. I, it's, it's, I'm looking at cap friendly too. So it is 6.25. He signed, he signed a four year, $25 million oh at my. 2020, 21. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I've been, yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm uh, not sure if I would want to bring in Matt Murray and then eventually have to worry about the problem of getting that contract off of the books. Mm-hmm. And speaking of books, it's on Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook has arrived. You can now legally bet on all of your favorite sports from MMA to hockey to playoff hoops and so much more. Bet special parlays, spreads, money lines, and more. Plus, do it now from anywhere in the province. Join the action, download the app, and explore everything that DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. To celebrate the pursuit for the cup, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a wide variety of betting markets for all of their customers. You can also check out DraftKings' impressive features, including same-game parlays. Select a team and combine multiple bets, like which team will win, goals scored, and more for a shot to win big. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Get excited, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook is live, so go to the App Store and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to get in on all the action. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. If you have a gambling problem, call Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600. You must be 19+, plus. physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions apply. See sportsbook.draftkings.com for details. Please play responsibly. DraftKings operates pursuant to an, uh, to an operating agreement with iGaming Ontario. You know that I said that that line about getting Murray's contract off the books just to make that pun about DraftKings Sportsbook? <laughs> I mean, hey, it worked. It worked. I think this is like the back-to-back weeks where, you know, there was a pun related to the DraftKings read. So, hey, yeah. if it works, it works, man. Yeah, and it's, uh, yeah, and honestly, Forbes has just absolutely blew me away last week. Like, I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I remember it was a pun that lined up perfectly, and I was like, damn, man, you, you took that opportunity and you ran with it. Um, the, the witty wordplay is real on the podcast. Yeah, so is, it, is it ever? We're, we're a witty bunch of folks over here. Let's get <laughs> All right. So uh, moving on to a little bit of NHL chatter just before we, uh, we wrap up this episode here. So first and foremost, Peter, the Bolts and the Abs are in the Stanley Cup final. Let's get some thoughts on that series and then we'll, we'll close things off with a prediction as we've been doing. Oh, how exciting was that first game? crazy i mean that okay the last two stanley cup playoffs have been very underwhelming i mean last year against the canadians it it was no contest tampa bay was winning that dallas had a good you know cinderella run but they weren't supposed to be in that position it was technically probably supposed to be in that bubble colorado and tampa bay and now we're getting that Colorado-Tampa Bay matchup, and it is absolutely phenomenal. You know, both teams are great on offense and defense. Tampa Bay obviously has the edge in goaltending with Vasilevsky, but 
Darcy Camper proved to be victorious in game one. We'll see what happens in game two, but hey, this is the playoff series that we wanted. Two offensive juggernauts going at it, and I'm I'm all for it. Bring on game two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever. So who are you cheering for in this series? Okay. Um, I not to be kind of biased, but I'm going Colorado in seven. Mainly because, well, let's face it, we kind of want to, we all, inside of me, I want the dynasty to continue for Tampa Bay, but at the same time, I don't because of the lease in the first round. Yeah, I get it. But, um, see, but then there's also the loser mentality uh, path that you can take for that too and be like, well, if Tampa Bay wins the cup, then the Leafs lost to the best team in the league, the team that exactly. went all the way. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And not only that, if Toronto won against Tampa Bay, I think they would be in this spot. But, that's a conversation for a different day. Um, I really want to see Nazem Kadri lift the cup. Yeah. I, I, it, that to me is the main reason why. I mean, again, Tampa Bay could win it all alone because they got that winner mentality. But I, I can't believe who I, – I can't remember who said it. I think it was one Colorado avalanche. I think it was either Landis Cog or McKinnon or McCarr. I think it was one of those three that, you know, they've got to – they're trying to continue the legacy. McCarr. It was McCarr. McCarr. It was McCarr. He they he said that they they're trying to continue their legacy. We're trying to build one. Yeah, that is the winner mentality right there that breeds championships. And the fact that he said that shows that Colorado is going all in. And even the physicality was amped. And I saw McCarr lay a few big hits. And even though he's not known for it, he can be physical. So adding that in, adding the fact that I want Nassim Kadri to win the cup, you know, based on his time with Toronto the playoff issues that he's had with suspensions and everything like that. He tamed himself down. He was playing well until he had that thumb injury. He's skating. I hope he could come back and play. I don't know how well he's going to be, but I just want to see him on the ice and lift the cup. I would love that to me is. I would love, I I would love Nazem Kadri to come back for game seven and score the overtime winner. Could you imagine? Mm. Yeah. Man, that, 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 that'll just be poetic. I will Especially forever. after that St. Louis series. That'll yeah. be poetic. I will forever be a Kadri fan. I want Colorado to win as well. And you know what? But at the same time, there's a part of me that is embracing that loser mentality where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. if Tampa wins, I won't, I won't be mad yeah. because then the Leafs lost to the best team in the league. Um, <laughs> Jesus, listen to us. Um, but then... Uh, <laughs> we're, the, we're, we're really deep now, yeah. now man. We are, we are down horribly, down horrendously. <laughs> um, so... But at the same time, yeah, I do. I, I want to see Naz win it. Like, I think when, you know, when I, when you take out the fact that I'm a Leafs fan and you just, you look at the two teams on paper, I want to see Colorado finally win it. I, they've been my pick um, to win the cup for a couple of seasons now. I, every year I think, okay, Colorado looks really good this year. They're going to, mm-hmm. they're finally going to get it done. And then they had their own second round curse all the way up until this yeah. year. And now they've, they, they finally kicked down the second round curse and then they won the conference final. And honestly, I think that this could be the year that the Avs finally they finally do it. We've, we've talked all this time about, Oh, you know, when the Leafs finally went around, they're going to go on a run. I think we're seeing that with Colorado right now. Yeah. And you know, they've got, they, they've got everything that a coach could dream of. They've got a young and mobile and exciting defensive core that has a whole bunch of different aspects because you've got the guys like, uh, like Kale McCarr and Samuel Gerrard, even though he's injured right now, who do the puck mm-hmm. moving, you've got the guys who can throw bone shaking hits like Josh Manson. You've got the guys who are, there for the veteran presence like Eric Johnson. And then you look at their forward group. They've got all their, they, they've got their talented names up front. They've got all the depth scoring. I love Arturi Lekin, man. 
Yeah. This guy shows up in the playoffs and he's, he, he did so for Colorado. Um, the new Justin Williams. He could be, I mean, going up in key moments. Yeah. He scored the overtime winner in the uh, conference finals against Vegas last year for Montreal. And then again, against Edmonton this year. Mm -hmm. So, um, you're going to go Tampa in set or sorry, Colorado in seven games. I'm going to say Colorado in seven as well. And I'm not just saying that because I, I like agreeing with you on things as much as I do, but <laughs> I'm also saying that just because I think that I, I think that if you're finally going to tame the beast, it has to be in the most excruciating grueling way ever. Mm-hmm. And the most excruciating, grueling way to take down the Tampa Bay Lightning is to do it in seven games. So yeah. I think Colorado is going to, uh, they're going to grind their way to that game seven. Um, and uh, once, once we eventually get there, I can't wait to watch. It'll be, it'll be an exciting game for sure. And I love how you mentioned that the last couple of Stanley Cups just nah, haven't been great. You know, we talk about, mm-hmm. we talk about, you know, the playoff format and getting the most exciting teams to face off in the final and that is what we're seeing. The two most exciting teams in hockey facing off. And I can't wait for the, uh, to see how it plays out. Colorado's only lost two games these playoffs. That's and this is also where, you know, Kemper had that eye injury against Nashville. Where he had that other injury against the Blues, I believe. Or the Oilers. I, I can't remember which one. But he's dealt with his fair share of injuries. And he's still coming back and he's still powering through. And also you mentioned the the avalanche and how they've had their woes in the second round. They easily could have blown up the core and say, you know what? It's not working for, you know, two, three seasons, early exits when we should be going deep into the playoffs. That happened with Tampa Bay. They stuck with their core. That happened with Washington. They stuck with their core. Colorado's in it right now. They're three games away. The Maple Leafs have talked about they want to stick with their core. This is probably the next line in succession of teams who have stuck with their core after multiple years of playoff failure that can turn it around. I don't disagree. There's a pattern. Yeah, there is There's a, pattern. a pattern. You know, I, I don't know when the last time a team like made like made a bone shaking move like that. And it's funny. I actually saw a tweet from a Tampa Bay lightning fan back in 2019 after uh, they lost to the blue jackets in the first round. And I got to tell you, I'm just going to pull the tweet up right now because it's, it, it was just so, it was so funny because the guy didn't even realize it, but he just quoted the entirety of Leafs Twitter. Um, yeah, here it is. One word lightning nuke. Blow it up. You aren't winning with Cooper. You aren't winning with this core. You aren't winning with how mentally fragile your team is. Just purge everything. Yeah, sounds a lot, sounds like the current Maple Leafs right now. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Leafs everything, Nation, yeah. Everything down to the <clears throat> mentally fragile part, down to the winning with this core part, to you're not winning with the coach part. I'm just, it, it, it makes me feel good to know that there is hope if they don't yeah. do that, if they don't blow up the team. Um, Absolutely. All right. uh, One final note on this episode, Peter, and it's once again time for us to play the game of how does this affect the Leafs? Um, The salary cap is going to be going up to $82.5 million for 2020, sorry, 2022, 2023. Remind me again, it's at 81 right now, right? Yeah. All right. So how does that extra 1.5 million affect the Leafs? (laughs) 
I mean, it helps them out anyway. <laughs> a million bucks is a million bucks that can like be used to sign a key depth player, add another extra million to a player that you want to maintain on the roster and keep them happy and remain in the fold. Um, it's not just big for the Leafs; it's big for everybody too. So the fact that it's going up to eighty, going up another million, and I think the goal is for it to continue to go up one million and have it be consistent and maintain and just continue to grow the salary cap based on the production and the revenue of the league. The fact that it's already starting to happen right now after what we saw with the pandemic, you know, 2021, 2021 was bad. This season kind of kicked everything off. Yeah, there's a little hiccup here and there, but the revenue was great. So if this is continuing in the right direction, hey, the salary cap is just going to, if it continues to go up, it's only going to work in the Maple Leafs' favor. And other teams who are, you know, starting to show some cap being, you know, pushed up the, up the cap as well. Vegas, Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, all those teams right now, and even teams that are looking like, that are pushing that limit, they're, that extra $1 million is going to be great relief to try and help them out no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think especially with the pandemic, this uh, the, the cap going up was very desperately needed because it was mm-hmm. in a rhythm up until the pandemic started. And obviously, you know, you can you can rip on league officials all you want, rip on GMs, owners, whatever, but nobody could see a pandemic coming. So um, that was just one of those things. And also on that note, uh, the old prof, uh, one of our treasured Leafs writers over at the Hockey Raiders, wrote a great article on why you know Leafs Leaf fans should stop blaming Kyle Dubas for their problems and. You know, when, when, when Prof, they wrote never that article, will, well, well, everyone's on, still going to hate on do this. When Prof wrote that article, I was like, first of all, I was like, dude, you've got balls of steel to yeah. knowing, knowing the, what the fans of the hockey writers have to say. And I didn't, I didn't actually go through and read the comments, but I pulled it up and I went and looked at how many he got. It was like the day after and there was like 167 comments on it. and all 160 comments hate do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, typically the ones who are in the comment sections are the ones that don't like Kyle Dubas and want toughness and want Canadians and, you know, you know, you, you know the type of fan that I'm describing right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great – sorry, I kind of got sidetracked there. The reason <laughs> I say that the Profs article was so great is because he, he factored in that the pandemic was a big part of why, you know, certain moves – are affecting or the couldn't Leafs and hurting Leafs worse now. They have less mm-hmm. cap space to work with because they signed those Matthews and Marner and Nylander to those deals before the pandemic and then the cap froze. Yeah. So that's just one thing right there. But if you want a real good outlook on everything, go read the Profs piece. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a real, real good article. If anything, if everything was going according to plan, aside from the pandemic, that cap would have gone up that year as well at the end. Yeah. So yeah, For hindsight. Sure. Yes, sir. Well, that uh, more or less wraps up our episode for today. Thank you to everybody for tuning in, even though we were without Forbes. I know. I, if I were listening to the episode and I didn't hear Andrew's voice, I'd want to stop listening to you. So if you're still here, <laughs> thank you for, for sticking yes. around with us for the ride. You can follow Peter on Twitter at P. Barracchini. You can follow myself at A. Hobson Media. Or you can follow the pod at Get Ready. I'm going to try and do this the way Forbes says. At S-T-I-X-I-N-T-H-A-P-O-D-6-I-X. I think. I think I got that right. Let me try one more time. You can follow the pod on Twitter. At S-T-I-X-T-H-E-I-N-6-I-X-P-O-D. 
sticks in the 6IX pod. Yeah. S-T-I-X-I-N-T-H-E-6-I-X pod. Yes. Okay, so I got it right. I got it right. There you go. There you go. All right, Andrew, I'm coming for your job. All right, once again, thank you to everybody for listening. Don't forget to check us out wherever you you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, you know. You know know the list. iHeartRadio. Yes, iHeartRadio as well. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time for episode 88, the William Nylander episode of Sticks in the Six.